Welcome to Seattle on Tap. I'm Courtney Jacobson. I'm Ashley Courtney. How's it going? Oh, it's going, you know? Definitely going. I'm pumped to say that tonight, although it is Arthur, my Friday, but it's Thursday, um, so I have tomorrow off. So I'm looking forward to that. That's exciting. A lot. <laughs> also, it's uh, April Fool's Day yes. today. We're recording this. <laughs> and somebody <laughs> played a joke on me today <laughs> named Courtney. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised you weren't like, really? <laughs> I, I got your text. So Courtney sends me a text that just says something to the effect of, I just don't think I can do this today. And <laughs> I was just clocking out of work and I'm literally standing on the steps and see it. And I'm like, oh God, oh no, she's having a bad week. Oh no. And so I was prepared to be like, whatever we got to do, if we need to push it off a night. And then you're like, blah, 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 April Fool's. And I just wrote back, you fucking jerk. <laughs> And I, like I made it extra awful by typing out <laughs> I typed it out where it was like sigh <laughs> send and then it's just send it's April Fool's <laughs> and you're like oh my god <laughs> hey not on her oh god so I think I've told you this before. A bad April Fool's memory for me oh. uh, is that I made the um, very poor mistake of hitting my limit with my ex-husband and mm -hmm. asking for a divorce on April 1st, not realizing that it was April 1st and left like I went out of the house I went and drank at the bar for a few hours and I kept getting texts from him being like what are we having for dinner tonight and things of that nature being like what is with this guy like I just fucking told him I wanted the divorce until somebody at the bar was like dude it's April Fool's Day and I was like oh no <laughs> um yeah it was very awkward very awkward to have to explain oh. later that I didn't realize the date and that I for reals wanted the divorce. <laughs> like to get, get the nerve up to talk, to tell someone that this is what you want, which been there. Mm -hmm. um, that's really freaking hard. Yeah. But then to have to do it again, basically, because no for realsies. No for realsies. <laughs> Not an April Fool's joke. <laughs> was really rough i mean to be honest i feel bad for him because he was probably like <laughs> right as i left but yeah no it was for reals what you got over there i got some beer my um my beer i chose well i bought it because it sounded delicious and it's been in my fridge for, I don't know, a week or two. You know how I am with time. I can't remember that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> but um, I chose it for the name today. Oh. Yes. It's called Doomsday Device. Ooh. It's, um, it's from Drecker Brewing. Ooh. They're out of Fargo, North Dakota. So that makes sense that the um, that there's a little Viking dude on there. And Doomsday Device is a double IPA with uh, mosaic hops. You know, I'm a sucker for mosaic hops. <laughs> and then they have house IPA yeast, which is interesting to me. Like they have their own IPA yeast. Here. Seems I hope it was collected inappropriately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just cracked myself up. 
no offense, Becca. I just can't control myself anymore. <laughs> uh, it looks good. Ooh, it's pretty good. It almost has like a spicy feel on your tongue at first. Ooh. You know, that kind of almost tingle. Yeah. Take a bite of something spicy. And I th- that's probably the hops. Sounds fun. Mm-hmm. And it's really carbonated. So that's probably also part of it. Um, but otherwise, the flavor is just a well-rounded, hazy IPA. Um, yeah, nothing overly fruity, but... There's some fargal? Rounded. Huh? There's some fargal? Fargal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Up there at the lake, you know. <laughs> Everybody in North Dakota and everywhere else, else, Minnesota, everywhere is like judging the fuck out of us right now. Michigan. Oh, yeah. They're like, you dicks. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, we don't sound like that, okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ. You just reminded me. Have you ever seen the movie Drop Dead Gorgeous? Um, it's the pageant movie, like a mockumentary. I think I have. Jesus Christ. My cashew, which I don't even know if he listens, but um, that is probably our most quoted movie to each other. Uh, and it takes place in um, Mount St. Rose, Minnesota. And it is funny shit in the whole fucking world to me. <laughs> God damn it. Listeners, if you haven't seen it, watch it. That shit's hilarious. Oh, that's awesome. What are you drinking? Um, per usual, I had a pre-funk beer, but now I've settled into my actual beer. Mm-hmm. Um, which so I had it on draft a few times, like a few Thursdays ago. I swung into Beer Junction on recording day. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna order some food to go, and then I'll have a beer while I wait for that. And I ordered a pint of it, and then proceeded to have three of them. <laughs> Um, but it you is know what the, you're about to have? No. It is the Best Wayfinder. Man. No, not this okay. um, It is the Wayfinder Russian Circles Black Pilsner. Ooh. is magic. It is one of my favorite beers I've had in a really long time. And they happen to can it. So here I am. A Black um, Pilsner. I could get on board with that. That sounds like it would be nice and malty. This is legit a jet black, super hop forward Pilsner. Okay. It is clean and crisp with noble hops that balance out all of the like really delicate roasty flavors. Mm. Um, it is legit a perfect mix of roasty malty goodness as well as a pronounced body, but mm. that light crispy feeling that you get with a Pilsner yeah. with a lot of flavor. And I wrote in my notes, it's like a perky goth of beers. <laughs> Um, <laughs> has there ever been a more perfect beer for you <laughs> right um and it's 5.1 which is why the day I got it why I had I got one because I was like oh that's pretty low ABV I can have that and then I was like this is blowing my fucking mind it's so good I can't and I was like two more bartender and proceeded to drink two more in the rain like a crazy person but wow. it was we do what we do to stay healthy safe and hydrated so good like if you see it get it because it's fucking oh my god i'm very intrigued i want to try it, it oh my good. god <laughs> and it's like bitter too it's really nice it's like got that bitter chocolate kind of a flavor dang oh my god it's so good it sounds very complex oh, it's very complex it's delicious it's complex, not unlike myself. I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> yeah, not kidding. Um. <laughs> oh my God, if you weren't complex, we probably wouldn't be friends. <laughs> as a perky boss, I can contest that I am complex as a person <laughs> and maybe confusing to some of you. <laughs> <laughs> or probably not. Maybe we found our people. <laughs> Okay. 
I see you have um, potentially something to read to me over there. I do. Um, so assuming that listeners are listening to shit in order, um, y'all heard me talk last week about getting on a little trip with some friends mm-hmm. and we went to Anderson Island, which is not a burp. I had to get it out though. Sorry guys. Um, it is a 6.63 square mile Island just off of Tacoma and the Puget Sound. Um, specifically off Stillicombe, so you have to like take a ferry and kind of cruise your way there, which I was telling Courtney before we recorded, I have a gifted old new car and it stalled getting off the ferry and I thought I was going to die because <laughs> we were the car at the very front of the line and my car was like, and just shit the bed on me for like two minutes. And that was immediate extreme anxiety. Like, I still don't know why. It was very weird because it's running like a chicken now. Well, that's good. I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's scared of the water. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Are you going to talk about something on McNeil Island? Maybe. (gasps) (laughs) So, when we were in the planning phase of this trip, which um, in our household, uh, it kind of came to my attention that McNeil Island was just to the north of where I was staying. Um, and if you're not from the Western Washington area, you might not know what the fuck we're talking about um, or recognize that name. Unless you heard one of the episodes we did where I talked about um, Ezra Meeker. I mentioned him in my notes. <laughs> a holler back to that. Yay. Um, but it legit sent shivers down my spine because I I only knew a tiny bit about the island previous yeah. to going. Um, but our the house that our friends and I and Daniel rented um, that our friends invited us along to, mm-hmm. it, had, it was like a split level house, you know, it's COVID, but um, it was like a duplex style split level house. We had separate living areas and decks and whatever. But the owners of this house made the mistake of mentioning there was a boat that we could access. And so I was really, really pushing that we were going to take it out and take a booze cruise to McNeil Island. And I'm so sorry because Courtney's face is so excited. And I, we did not go on that booze cruise because everybody was like, no, 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 no. That's because I wasn't there because if I were there, we would have been gone. <laughs> like I could Oh my God. Everybody was like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. And I was like, damn it. (laughs) So whether or not you agree with my friends or with Courtney, I thought I would tell you a little bit about McNeil Island, (laughs) which first off has had a few names throughout its history. Um, Before it was permanently named McNeil Island, M-C-N-E-I-L, Uh, In 1841, a naval officer and explorer named Charles Wilkes named it in honor of Captain William Henry McNeil, which was spelled (laughs) M-C-N-E-I-L-L, who was part of the Hudson Bay Company, which essentially was like a fur trading business in the old, Mm -hmm. olden times um, out of Canada. Um, Captain McNeil was evidently the first friendly face that Wilkes ever met when he reached the Fort Nisqually uh area in 1841 which was where we the city is now dupont washington mm-hmm. is what that area is now called um in 1846 a captain of the royal navy named john a duncy uh named it well after himself <laughs> duncy island until a year ish later when another naval officer named sir henry kellett i think is how you say his last name um, essentially was like, uh, no, and rained all over Duncy's parade and attempted to restore the name of McNeil Island. Only he didn't spell super great and misspelled it and nobody has bothered correcting it even up to this point in time. So that's what we're rolling with these days. <laughs> <laughs> <A little> history. <laughs> um, 
So the U.S. government bought a piece of land on McNeil Island in 1870, um, and the purpose was to build a federal penitentiary, which they did, and it opened in 1875. Um, the government kind of continued to purchase parcels of land for the penitentiary, and around um, 1937, they finally convinced everyone on the island to like kick rocks and owned all of the things. And by the way, as you just mentioned, one of those people was uh, Ezra Meeker, who um, I wrote my notes, holla back to season one, episode 19. Uh, <laughs> he had settled on the island in 1853 and then eventually sold the property in 1861, which is the year he moved to Puyallup and became the man with all the hops. The penitentiary during its time had a damn near fully self-sufficient farming operation going on, which included like a dairy farm and the growth of all of their own produce and whatever. Um, Basically, they just took over what was already happening there. Totally. Except that they were making the inmates do that shit. Right. Yeah. Um, It also had... A pretty interesting collection of inhabitants, aka prisoners, during its heyday. Um, and it was once home to such prisoners as Robert Stroud, who you might know as the Birdman of Alcatraz between yes. 1909 and 1912, uh-huh. pre Alcatraz, wow. Charles Wilson, pre Tate murders um, in 1969, the gangster Alvin Carpus in 1961, I'm sorry, 1962. Um, and then throwing it back to our very super first episode, Roy Olmsted was also an inmate for four years between 1920 and 1930. Um, like in during some time during the time. Yeah. Um, even considering its A-list inmates, it ended up in the possession of the state of Washington in 1981 for reasons that I couldn't find answers to. It seems weird that the local government bought out the federal government, but what do I know? The world is a crazy place. Um, from that time until April 1st of 2011, which, oh you know, hello, I, that was that's not planned. Was like, oh, that's a happy accident. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, <perfect. laughs> up until that time, it was known as McNeil Island Correction Center or MICC. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time of its closure, it was the last prison in the U.S. to be accessible only by air and by sea. Mm-hmm. fucking bananas which it, it seems shocking too because probably the most like infamous island prison is Alcatraz right um and Alcatraz closed in 1963 yeah. and if folks that I I didn't know a shit ton about Alcatraz to be honest um but Alcatraz was originally built between 1910 and 1912 as a military prison and then opened as a federal prison in the 1930s so they were only open for 30 years, 30-ish years, which is yeah. crazy to think about. Well, they had some issues. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I need a little swig. Hold on. Yeah, I remember as a kid, which I've mentioned, I can't remember if it was on recording or off, um, as a kid with my dad, we lived on a boat and we would from time to time basically every summer at least once he would scare the crap out of us saying that you know one of us hadn't been very good so he's gonna take us to mcneil island because we were out on the boat and starts driving closer until you hear the horns and the coming over the you know he's back speaker of back you're too close Uh, so I mentioned that the prison closes in 2011 and I'm sure everybody's like, and then what happened? And then what happened? (laughs) But McNeil Island became the special commitment center for sexually violent criminals. Cause what else would it become? What what else would you do on an island? Make it a museum. Yeah. Like Alcatraz, you know, um, so SCC houses currently mm-hmm. 228 men and four women in the main building 
hmm. who have been deemed unfit to return to society based upon the sexually violent crimes and or the severity of their mental health, including their criminal history. There is a secondary building. There's multiple buildings, but the secondary building closest to us that it's holding some of these more sensitive inmates. Um, there is a building next to it that holds at least 80 people that they consider kind of lesser maintenance. Like they don't have to be as cautious keeping an eye on them, but they're still doomed to an island forever. Um, but based upon this portion of its history, my friends and I, during the trip, we kept calling it Serial Killer Island was what we just kept referring to it as, which is kind of funny because technically there's never been a serial killer that inhabited the island because technically Manson didn't commit the Tate murders. Right. He was just, you know, and the Birdman murdered, but it was like manslaughter and like two murders. So technically they've never had a serial killer on the island to my knowledge. Yeah. Uh, Five or more is a serial killer. Something like that. Five or more is a mass murder. So five or more at one time is what? Three or more or something like that. With like a similar MO usually. Three or more, all three at separate times. Yes. Is a serial killer, I believe. Yes. Um, Fully out of our asses. It's what we do best. <laughs> um, I'm getting notifications for Seattle on tap. What's happening? <laughs> uh, we're doing that. Yes, we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it right now, computer. You didn't. Uh, no. Uh, so anywho, based upon that portion of the history, like I said, we were calling it Serial Killer Island. And I kept trying to convince everybody like, dude, we got to go. We got to go. And they're like, no, it's not going to happen. Actually. Anyway, back to the real story. So in 2017, about 200 of the residents I named before, not named, but gave the number of, they decided to file a lawsuit against um, the state of Washington because evidently the water in the facility that was used for both their bathing and drinking was cloudy and brown mm. and apparently had visible fecal matter present oh, no. and smelled like chemicals. Oh no. Um, yeah. So some of the complaints were that the water was causing like illness, but then also severe skin reactions. <laughs> so, and by the way, Flint is still having this problem. <clears throat> Uh, but that, you know, what do I know? Uh, but the state sends off samples, right? They're like, oh, you've got poop in your water, you say. Let me mail that off. We'll test mm-hmm. it. They test it and they're like, you know what? It passed all of the quality standards required by state law, but still decided that they were going to provide all of the inmates with bottled water with every meal, which makes me feel like they were just like, eh. Time, but we'll maybe we might get sued. Not only are we not gonna fix this, you're (laughs) definitely not worth it. Um, but we're just gonna add to the pollution problem, right? Right? Oh my god. (laughs) During the time that uh the MICC was an operation, the correction center, Mm -hmm. the island had over a thousand people living on it. Most of those residents were prisoners, duh. Um, but and it was otherwise populated by 40-ish families, which yeah. seems like a shocking amount of families. Yeah. Um, with at least one family member that worked at the correction center, which kind mm-hmm. of is a weird thing to think about. Talk about a weird way to grow up. Can you imagine? No, I can't. I don't want to live on Serial Killer Island. Are you kidding me? You sure? um, I live in the fucking Pacific Northwest, close <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> In 2018, there was a report that showed that the now SCC had a population of 214, which was entirely civilly committed former prison inmates, Mm -hmm. Um, which is, again, alarming and terrifying. Uh, The island was not linked to any state ferry systems until 1934, but before that time and still currently as you were kind of mentioning, the federal and or state government, whichever applied for whatever time frame you're talking about, 
They had a passenger ferry, which by the way, did not allow cars on it, like civilian cars and a barge that would travel to the island carrying passengers with the acceptable clearance. Most of those people were there to send services to SEC. So it's like doctors or whatever, grocery delivery or whatever the fuck. Um, Shit in the, yeah. What, you know, whatever the fuck they need. Yeah. Not beer. There was probably not ever beer on that. Um, (laughs) They probably did need Oh God. Um, although my friends would not come on my spooky trip to McNeil, wow. the property we did rent did have a shocking amount of dilapidated structures as well as a creepy ass fucking well on the property that looked exactly like the one from the ring, which I will probably post on our Instagram on Monday when this comes out. That's cool. <laughs> it was, I'll post some pictures of those things. There was literally like falling down homes and like weird oh my god I wish I would have taken a video of the road because there was one road from the ferry to the other side of the island where we were staying that went straight across but it went it was very windy which I was like on an island the small why does it got to be so windy trees and one it's like flat too but there's also swamps on either side randomly mm. and like creepy moss cut like covered trees that are overgrowing the road like it looks like a fucking Tim Burton movie like it was so weird and then we get closer and I keep seeing these like falling apart shacks and I'm like oh no it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Tim Burton oh no. <laughs> and, and then we get to the house that we were at which was really fucking cool and on the beach and off in the distance, not very far, was like a falling down beach shack and like this weird driftwood hut that seemed to have a face on it that was really bothering all of us. <laughs> like it was very creepy. Right up our alley, all of us spooky kids. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I'm intrigued yet don't want to sit and stare at it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were sitting at the campfire the first night and I kept glancing over at the little hut and I was like, has anybody else noticed that that piece of driftwood looks alarmingly like a face? (laughs) And everybody was like, yeah, I was trying not to look at it. And I'm like, I can't stop looking at it. It was so weird. Oh God. So fun though. Yeah, no booze cruise to McNeil Island. I also think that we would have been like shot or something if we tried. So no, you just would have had horns, air horns blown at you and then heard a loudspeaker that is hard to understand. And they're telling you to (laughs) row away from the area. (laughs) Oh, can you imagine being arrested for some stupid shit like that? No, (laughs) like as a person that's never even had a speeding ticket, it would be real bad. So it'd be awful. Like, what did you do? That's what they would like. What did you do to get in here? And I'd be like, I went to Serial Killer Island. What? (laughs) I rode a boat across the water (laughs) to an island I'm not supposed to go to. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Yeah, I've. I've gotten in trouble in the water multiple times for getting too close to places where I shouldn't have. <laughs> oh my. Well, you know, I'm I'm a pain in the ass. <laughs> Same. Yeah, we I told you about um deciding to paddle our um like big inner tube across the waterway from my dad's beach to Heron Island once. Yes, you did. And um, turns out, uh, for those that don't know, um, any ferry crossing route is technically considered like a freeway or a highway. So, same rules apply. You're not supposed to really be on those without a vehicle. <laughs> so Whoopsies. we got in trouble. <laughs> but I tried it twice. 
<laughs> I mean, why not? You only live once. <laughs> well, you know, you look and you're like, I could make that. I could definitely make that. And summers get boring when you don't have any friends around you. And uh, you're just on the beach every day looking across the water like, I could definitely do that. Yeah, I know that I normally tell you more doomy mm -hmm. gloom stories, but I thought a nice history of a local haunt would be um, a fun thing. And also because it was like kept throwing back to old episodes. I was like, look at us. Mm -hmm. This is like the fucking like um, one of those episodes of like Saved by the Bell where they keep flashing back to when they oh, first yeah. met so-and-so or whatever. And remember. it might happen again because, um, you know, my ever growing, we both have our ever growing lists of uh, potential topics. Um, the Birdman is on my list, probably now oh. on yours too. <laughs> he was not actually. I was reading about him a little today and I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's been on my list for a while. I just haven't done it yet. Well, I think we should take a break okay i can go get my charger so that uh this whole recording thing doesn't die that'd be good <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right we shall return all right we're back <laughs> Um, right before coming back from break, I, I was like, uh oh, had a quick yawn, but I covered my mouth and then went, hachoo, <laughs> <laughs> so that maybe I didn't send it. And it works. Yeah. I didn't yawn. <laughs> uh, well, I am going to follow up your fun story with a cult perfect <laughs> so, i'm not a religious person i grew up as some people that have been listening a while know in a fairly religious household that may or may not have been a cult um so when I saw that this episode is coming out the day after Easter, I decided I had to do a story about a cult because <laughs> I'm an asshole. All right. Um, I don't mean, I was like, should I do an Easter episode? I don't want to talk about eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know any egg stories. <laughs> I'm going to talk about, well, sort of a form of resurrection maybe i feel like i'm not gonna like this at all in a way that i'm gonna love it <laughs> i'm gonna talk about the order of the solar temple i'm already very uncomfortable this is one that i actually did not really know much about i had seen a few things here and there and kind of just never paid attention didn't really um read much into it or anything so i never fully knew even what it was or that it was a cult i just thought it was one of those other secret society things out there here we go um <laughs> so order of the solar temple is a cult that basically combined the knights templar or templar whatever um which was definitely a secret society. Um, they combined that with some extreme Christianity and a dash of hippie New Age spirituality. <laughs> edge, huh? Oh, cults. They crack me up. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, so this was formed in 1984. Just what? like before. Um, <laughs> by Joseph de Mombro and Luc Jaurès, 
probably saying all of that wrong, but we're going like with it. it. Yeah. Rolls in off. Geneva, Switzerland. Um, <clears throat> they both had some interesting backgrounds. One of them was a, um, basically what you would think of as a naturopathic doctor now. Um, and the other one had some roots in former cults. Uh, in Europe. Um, okay, so the beliefs of the order of the solar temple. Um, they believe that the world was, of course, going to face a worldwide catastrophe in the mid-1990s. So, check. Do today. Um... <laughs> So they had to prep for the return of Jesus Christ. Check. Easter. Um, but wait, there's more. Jesus Christ was going to return as a solar god king. Oh, fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, they wanted to unite all the world's major religions as one under the order of the solar temple so whatever you believe is cool we're wrapping that into this another check for cults um they also thought that they were an ancient wisdom group so in other words they had private understanding of the divine and had a secret set of rituals rooted in Roman Catholicism combined with elements of, um, of mythologies that surrounded UFOs, medieval knights, and the search for the Holy Grail. I feel like the direct translation of that is my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot there to unpack. There's a fucking lot to unpack. Jesus Christ. And it's like a whole... UFOs. We've got secret society stuff. We've got um, Roman history, Greek mythology, but also... Um, like rituals and we're all higher beings it's it's checking off all the boxes of you know when you list off what a cult is um <laughs> so they had a 33 member council of leaders that presided over the members and they call, they were called the elder brother of the rosy cross which is from an even older cult in England that like also took some other stuff from some Catholicism basically just it's a bunch of bullshit so just kind of like borrowing things from here there and everywhere so that ev Pretty much anybody can get warped into this and be like, oh, yeah, that's some familiar familiarity for me, sort of of the belief system I grew up with, but also I get to know secret things. Yeah. Okay. So um, they formed lodges um, in various parts of the world, various other countries. So very like borrowing from the Knights Templar of like, here's, they didn't have um, churches or other temples or uh, what am I trying to think of? But um, anyway, they had lodges and they had some in Canada. They actually had two different parts of Quebec. Uh, they had one in Australia, Switzerland, obviously that's where it started. Um, Martinique, France, Spain. It sounds like they just were going on vacation and being like, new church. Basically. <laughs> um, 
so yeah they held initiation ceremonies at these places and of course meetings um <laughs> and uh so they also believed that um they had to set a correct order of society and so in the within these various lodges each one all kind of followed the same of course rules and everything um and they had three levels of ranking their members so Here's where we get into the growth and initiation. Mm -hmm. um, the lowest one was called the Brothers of Paris. Um, nope. I can't read my writing. <laughs> the bro Brothers of Parvis. Um, and this is just kind of like the regular, like, you come in... Um, Maybe you could just be invited by someone and you just start to learn about this whole society and this whole belief system and <clears throat> just kind of that like initiation level. And the mid-level was called the Knights of the Alliance. And this is where if you have brought in and initiated enough people to join then you could move up to the next level and this is where you would start to unlock more secrets of the society and your higher level of knowledge and being and then the top level and again this is still not reaching that even more top level of the 33 original like main members that basically presided over and ruled essentially everyone. Um, but the top level of membership was the Brothers of Parvis. So I wrote that wrong. Well, shit. <laughs> I wrote my notes wrong. Well, there was another level. So um, the top level was where it was really, really hard to get into and you had to like pass all these levels of tests and these different rituals and each level there was an initiation ceremony where you'd have to wear all these robes and you'd have to buy all these gifts and um, you'd have to pay an initiate a very hefty initiation fee and um, a bunch of other very expensive things that went towards yeah nothing so, suspicious about that check funneling all your money into the organization um and you know once you got to the very top level is when you would um like get to have what they said was all the knowledge and then you would reach this kind of higher level of being so that you could transition to something I will get into next. All right, so a um, couple more beliefs that they had. Uh, the two founding members believed that they were descendants of the original Knights Templar. Um, they taught that life is an illusion and followers would be reborn on a planet revolving around the dog star Sirius, which the dog star Sirius is a real thing. It's, if you look up into the sky, it is the brightest star in the sky. Um, so that's where, once you get to the very top level, you could travel. And they, for a very long time, never really specified how you transitioned or transported to that next world in the that was revolving around the dog star Sirius um, so between 84 which is when they um, founded and 1990 the group grew 
a lot. And that was because the members obviously wanted to get access to those higher levels. And the leaders started to think, hmm, there's a lot of people coming in here. Maybe we can start being choosy. They started just seeking after very attractive, wealthy inductees. So they started even getting secret members that honestly, this all kind of gives me precursor to Scientology vibes. Of they had was just pinging out. Uh huh. Um, especially with like the UFO stuff and the higher level of consciousness and the ranking of everything. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, they actually had quite a few people that were considered very influential and, um, like celebrity famous levels of people that kept it secret that they were even members at the time. And keep in mind that was. 1990 it's crazy and early 90s so um a lot of lot of money was being quote donated to the top members and founders of all of this certain organizations that uh oversee international crime started paying attention and tapping their phones because they were like, wait a minute. Um, and so things started getting a little extra weird as they do in cults. Um, one of the main, the two founders, um, started kind of telling people things that alluded to him being on par with Jesus. And sometimes maybe he was reincarnated Jesus. Just kind of depended on the story he was telling. And so some people started questioning that. And so then they started making things a little more extreme. And on September 30th, which this date is a little certain publications state it as September 30th. Some of them state it as anywhere from October 1st to the 4th. So somewhere in there of 1994, uh, the cult mem a few cult members, um, there was a couple, their three month old son, um, okay, before I go on with this, very big trigger warning, very big scary warning. This is not good. Uh, so if you are sensitive to, um, child abuse type stuff, you may want to fast forward 30 seconds. Okay, um, <laughs> two of the members, three month old son was stabbed to death with a wooden stake because, one of the two big, two main founders, DeMombro, he claimed that this three-month-old boy was the Antichrist born into the group to stop them from their spiritual aim, which was the transport to this other world and consciousness. Um, just a few days later, DeMombro and 12 followers performed a ritual last supper. So again, he's acting like he's Jesus with his 12. Do we know why he thought the kid was the antichrist? Like, did he have, or they have reasons? Um, no. <laughs> uh, potentially the two parents were, some of the people questioning him um but again there's a lot of like speculation or just vagueness around why them and um the parents also died and their house strangely mysteriously caught on fire burnt to the ground with 
all three in there. Um, they pissed somebody off. And that was in Quebec. So, um, but, you know, you can still tell when violence happened before, you know. So, all right. Um, after the ritual last supper, um, a few more days go by and suddenly the transport begins. Otherwise known to not cult followers, um, a mass suicide. But it wasn't just in Quebec. The real wild kind of crazy thing is um, it was mass, it was apparent mass suicides and murders conducted at actually quite a few different lodges, like almost all of them. Um, 15 of the inner circle members poisoned themselves. Um, two of those inner circle members were actually the two founders. So I guess that's good. Um, 30 were killed by bullets or smothering. Oh, God. Yeah. And those people, mm -hmm. the smothering was they all were laying down with bags tied over their heads. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, eight more died by, quote, various other causes. So I don't know. Um, many of these members were actually found dead in a secret underground temple that had walls lined by mirrors and other items of Templar symbolism. Um, they were all dressed in their ceremonial robes. So the mirrors were from one of their things saying initially when they started talking about this being transported to that planet revolving around the dog star Sirius. Um, they talked about that it would be through transporting through mirrors. So they had a bunch of mirrors on all these walls. Like it was just like every wall had mirrors. And um, so they had to dye their, um, their earthly bodies had to perish so that their soul could be set free and travel through a mirror to the other planet. Yikes. Yikes indeed. Somebody had a bad trip and a bad childhood. <sighs> yeah. It's, yeah. Um, there were letters left by a good handful of the deceased members, and it's they stated that they believed that they left to escape the, quote, hypocrisies and oppression of this world. Ugh. Um... So the thing is, it's not gone. No. Not everybody that was a member died. There are still, to this day, potentially 30 members or more still in Quebec. And then anywhere from 140 to... 500 plus members worldwide so like okay first of all i'm saying this i don't wish death upon people uh -huh. however did they just like chicken out were they like yeah we're totally gonna do that thing everybody and then we're like Ooh, and then didn't we're like now we're in charge this was the plan maybe they weren't at that higher level of Ugh. membership where they couldn't, they weren't allowed to yet. Ugh. Yeah. So yeah, super fun story to end on. Yeah, <laughs> Happy <don't>, Easter. <laughs> cool, everybody. Fuck. <laughs> but hey, they're going to be reborn. 
Will they, though? It's only nine light years away. You guys, you know what's way more fun than being in a cult? Beer. (laughs) (laughs) Do that instead. In fact, fuck hiding eggs. Hide beer. Not for your children, but... Ooh. Or Underbergs. I was... Do you know that I don't I think it's been a few years now. The pub one Easter, I feel like it was like three years ago, but time means nothing anymore. Yeah. Um Gary, the owner. Hi Gary, if you're listening. I don't know if you do. This might be too like cuckoo for you. Mm-hmm. Um, he decided to hide a per, a select number of Underberg around the pub. And that. if you found it, you got to have it. I vaguely remember this happening. Yeah. And there was like one at the very end of the day that nobody found. Cause they kept, people kept being like, how many are left? <laughs> and I would tell them there's yeah. five left or there's whatever. And there was one and people kept coming in and being like, how many are left? And I'd be like one. And they'd be like, where is it? I can't tell you. And they'd be wandering around. And it was like in plain fucking sight was the best part. Oh, that's awesome. It was so amazing. But yeah, it's a very good idea. Buy Underberg and uh, hide them all over the place. It's really fun. I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. We have one here at the house. One Underberg? Mm-hmm. You can't even share them. It's like not even a whole ounce. Underberg. <laughs> Underberg. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's why we only have the one because... Uh, Gordon bought a three pack thinking it was a four pack and we open it and we're like oh I guess we have to buy another box (laughs) number I um Underberg like they come in three packs Mm -hmm. or 12 packs and the 12 packs really are only like for resale yeah um I think you can buy like tins and shit that have 12 in them too, but, eh. but three is a weird number for anything, but it's brilliant. If you think about it, I guess, I mean, for example, in our household, there are two of us that are of drinking age. So one of either one of us gets one more or like I was saying, we're just going to buy another one. So yes. it's, you're buying like a set of multiple being like, yeah. And then, oh, I'm going to have to buy more now. <laughs> what happens in our house is that I go, Daniel, you can have the Underberg and I'll have Fernet instead. Uh-huh. Or vice versa. Sometimes he's like, I'll have that. Yeah. And I want to go drink it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I wonder if I have any in the cabinet. That'd be funny. I mean, we've drank them together before. They're delicious. Mm-hmm. They are. If you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, one real fun thing. Um, this upcoming week, I get my second vaccine shot. I was going to ask because I felt like it was coming up soon. Yeah, on Wednesday. Okay. I remembered the date right. Look at that. Hey-o. And then, yeah, I think they said it was like two weeks until I'm like the vaccines in the full effect. So mm-hmm. by the end of April, I will be fully vaccinated. And I heard on NPR the other day um, that uh, signs are pointing to showing, proving that um, people that have been fully vaccinated are not carriers, which, I mean, again, signs are pointing to this. We have still haven't had enough people vaccinated to, to be able to say that, but, and for long enough, but um, I mean, that's promising. Very hopeful, yeah. Yeah. I, oh God. Speaking of COVID, um, I feel like I'm always telling everybody about podcasts I love, but one podcast I'm a very big fan of, again, 
if you're into this sort of thing, check them out. But they're called um, This Podcast Will Kill You. Mm. They, that's what you're going to bring up. Oh, dang. First of all, big fan in general. Their podcast is really super cool. And it mm-hmm. introduced me to another really cool podcast called In Defense of Plants. Mm, yeah. Check all those things out. Um, but they been, have been covering COVID since the beginning as details are coming out, but they're interviewing both people that have had COVID themselves, their first had accounts, people whose family members have had it and or died or whatever, and talk about their accounts of that. But then also experts from several countries, like they kind of switch it up on the reg. Yeah. And they give you the facts from the experts and it's very cool. They break it all down. They let, they do a Q and a kind of a sitch, mm. but they put one out, um, this last week and it starts off an interview with a guy that's my age Mm. who was like super fit healthy guy that got COVID like in April like right after the lockdown happened here oh yeah and this fucking dude ended up getting pneumonia Uh he had to have a heart transplant he lost a third of a lung like he's like fucked up forever from COVID and he was like him talking about it was so heartbreaking but he was like even if I get vaccinated I'm going to be fucked up forever yeah but those experts later talk about that and are basically saying that if you do get vaccinated which everybody should mm-hmm. those sorts of symptoms are a lot less likely yeah like you're more likely to get if you do get COVID somehow after being vaccinated it'll be more like a common cold level of yeah. problem yeah potentially (laughs) having to go into the icu and later having random organs just being like oh it can't go on out of nowhere yeah that poor guy had fucking heart failure and had to have a heart transplant jesus i've heard of other people where they were good they had been tested multiple times that they had it had definitely passed and they were no longer COVID positive and then um they months later three months even maybe longer suddenly had uh just organ failure like one after the other they're all just like nope I can't remember if it was you or who I was talking to about this because it seems like the sort of thing you and I would have talked about Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I wish there was a test and maybe they'll invent this at some point depending on what happens to show if you've ever had COVID because some people never had symptoms when they were exposed well they do Uh, an antibody test but then who knows how long the antibodies stick around because some people it's longer than others exactly Mm-hmm. But it would be good to know so that if you have a sudden onset of like liver failure, kidney failure, that they know why that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scary shit. <sighs> yeah. But yeah, get vaccinated. I'm gonna. And it's gonna be great. Yeah, I've been obsessively, re- well, not as obsessively as I would like to be um, because I do have a job and a child and other responsibilities, but uh, I've been as obsessively as I can kind of refreshing things and looking at, can I have it yet? Can I have it yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which here in Washington, April 15th, we will essentially all 16 and up be eligible. So not too far shit i know i'm gonna have a lot of nightmares tonight (laughs) um i will probably never drink kool-aid again in my whole life yeah the whole secret society thing is a little more suspect now (laughs) i already don't like plastic bags but now somebody creeps up on me with one i'm gonna just carry around a little knife to poke holes in them well there's a bag into people i mean have you heard about the best way to deal with that if someone ever does put a bag on your head no 
So I watched, I probably, I think a TikTok video. There's a guy on TikTok that um, teaches survival and like real life in, in population survival type tactics. Um, and one of the things was if somebody puts a bag over your head, you suck in, suck it into your mouth, bite down, bite a hole in it, and now you can breathe. How do you bite a hole in it though? If you, well, I guess you can grind your teeth all around. Yeah. You just, until you bite a hole in it. But I mean, if you think about it, like, oh yeah, but that's not your natural reaction because you're trying to breathe and you want to get it away from your face. So you just blow, blow, blow all your air out and then suffocate. But instead, suck it in your mouth, chew a hole in it, and then you can get to the point where you have a hole and breathe. Now, I like that you just stuck your tongue out at me as you were waiting what to do. <laughs> Courtney said you I just survive. stick my tongue out at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, mm. on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, drink good local beer. And uh, I'm sorry for the nightmares and you're welcome for the nightmares. <laughs> and as the bars keep opening, tip your fucking bartender. Yeah. Don't yeah. be a pretentious turd and get a tip fucking more bed. than you feel is necessary because you're the fact that you are there is putting their life in danger. So you're there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye. For more information, we can be found on Instagram at Seattle underscore on underscore tap, email at Seattle on tap at gmail.com, or our website, Seattle on tap.com. You can also like us on Facebook, and all of the Seattle on tap original music is provided by Bubble Bathism, courtesy of the Subterranot Recording Collective. Yeah, um, I, I was going to say something and it completely went out of my brain, so we're just going to skip over that now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll edit that out. Maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> <It'll> be <laughs> <laughs> Bloopers. <laughs> Bloopers.